Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is April 1st. Happy General Conference Day everyone and happy April. I'm so excited for General Conference and so excited to hear the words of the prophets and the apostles today. Today is the last day of this week's Come Follow Me block and next week the Come Follow Me block is Easter. We will prepare for Easter by studying the Savior words from the Savior, and words about the Savior as found in the scriptures and words of the prophets and the apostles. I'm excited that we have the opportunity to use conference today and tomorrow to study the Savior next week as we prepare to celebrate his resurrection, to celebrate the culmination of his atonement and the profound influence and blessing that it is in our lives. So that's what we'll study next week. But for now, let's finish up this week's Come Follow Me blog. We're actually going to go back a chapter in John. We skipped to John chapter 6 because it fit chronologically with Matthew chapter 14. But for now, we're going to go back into John 5 to check out a story that I absolutely love. It's at the very beginning of John chapter 5. So let's just start in verse 1 and go from there. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, we don't exactly know what feast this fits with, with the timetable. Some people believe that it was the Passover. I've heard other biblical scholars say that this was the Feast of Purim. We don't exactly know what feast, but I don't think that's super important to the story. But I like that John is trying to give us a timetable here that this is happening around some sort of feast. And that would make sense why Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's come back to worship at this feast. Now, in verse two, it says, Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. Now, it's interesting because I remember when I very first really started studying my scriptures in depth, I thought, well, Bethsaida having five porches, Bethsaida must have something to do with porches. There must be a reason why it says having five porches right after it says that it was called Bethsaida. That's not true. (laughs) It made sense to me in my mind. I think it still makes sense that that would be the case, but it's not. (laughs) Bethsaida is actually a really fascinating name when we think about what occurs there at this pool. Bethsaida in the Hebrew tongue means house of Haseda. Do you remember last year when we were studying in the Old Testament and talking a lot about Hebrew and Hebrew words and Hebrew roots? Do you remember last year talking about the word loving kindness, how most of the time in the Old Testament, when we see the word loving kindness, the actual Hebrew word there is the word hased. The word hased doesn't necessarily have an English equivalent, which makes it really difficult to translate. Oftentimes the word hased translates as grace or mercy, love, faithfulness, loyalty. Oftentimes it's seen more as like a covenant love, a bound type of love. One theologian says that hased is a type of generosity that's completely undeserved. So this idea of hased is this like covenant heavenly love, this undeserved love or mercy. It's the kind of love that keeps Christ reaching out for us, that keeps the Lord consistently seeking after us when we don't deserve it or when we're not worthy of it. And so here, this pool, Bethesda, is the house of Hased. It's the house of this undeserved mercy, of this covenant love, of this consistent reaching out of divine 
love. What an appropriate name for the miracle that is going to happen there. In verse 3, it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the movement of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Bruce R. McConkie in the book, The Mortal Messiah, teaches us that that's not the way the miracles of God work, that that wasn't the case, that an angel wasn't stirring the water. But he does say that this pool was probably a mineral spring of some sort that had water bubbling. Now, this wasn't like Old Faithful. They couldn't consistently count once every hour, hour and a half, whatever Old Faithful is, to start bubbling and people could run in there. It was a lot more intermittent than that. And so people just sat around and they waited for this to move. Now, I don't mean this in a light way or a flippant way at all, but can you imagine what a sad sight that would have been to stumble upon this pool and around it are all sorts of people who are just sick or infirm, people who can't walk, who can't see, who can't make their way themselves to this pool to be healed. Everyone just with almost a lost hope of ever being made whole, standing there at the pool as if it were their last hope to be whole or to feel good again. What a difficult thing to imagine. Continuing on, it says, And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Thirty-eight years of being sick. Thirty-eight years of wondering if he would ever feel good again. Thirty-eight years of just hoping beyond hope that there was something that could help him. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Speaking of this question that the Savior asks, Elder Talmadge wrote, The question was so simple as to almost appear superfluous. Of course the man wanted to be made well, and on the small chance of being able to reach the water at the right moment, was patiently yet eagerly awaiting. There was purpose, however, in these as in all other words of the Master. The man's attention was drawn to him, fixed upon him. So the Savior approaches him, draws the man's attention to him, and says, Will you be made whole? Is this what you want? Verse 7, The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Imagine the desperation of this man. He's sick, he's infirm, he obviously can't move like everyone else, yet every time he sees it bubble, he with all his heart tries to get to the pool, and yet people run and push and shove in front of him, and how desperate that must feel every single time it happens. Now my friends, the Savior asked him, would you be made whole? And in different ways, the Savior asks us the same question every single day of our lives. In some way, he asks us, will you allow me to make you whole? Oftentimes because of our pride, our stubbornness, our vanity, our rebellion sometimes, we don't hear him. We don't hear that offer. But he offers us every day that chance to be made whole, to be made clean. And if we don't fix our attention on him, we may not hear his call. The Savior wants to heal us. He wants to make us whole from our weaknesses and our imperfections. Whether we have been struggling with the same thing over and over for 38 years, or whether this is something new, He still seeks us out and invites us to be made whole by Him. 
Merrill J. Bateman, when serving as the general bishop of the church, said, Just as the lame man at the pool of Bethsaida needed someone stronger than himself to be healed, so we are dependent on the miracles of Christ's atonement if our souls are to be made whole from grief, sorrow, and sin. Through Christ, broken hearts are mended, and peace replaces anxiety and sorrow. As Isaiah stated concerning the Savior, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and with his stripes we are healed. The Savior's atonement in the garden and on the cross is intimate as well as infinite. Infinite in that it spans the eternities. Intimate in that the Savior felt each person's pains, sufferings, and sicknesses. Consequently, he knows how to carry our sorrows and relieve our burdens that we might be healed from within, made whole persons, and receive everlasting joy in his kingdom. May our faith in the Father and the Son help us to become whole. My friends, as we fix our focus on the Savior, just like we've talked about this week with Peter and the apostles, finding joy, finding peace through their testimonies of him, as we fix our faith and our testimonies on him, we will come unto him naturally, and through him we can be made whole. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.